The following podcast is sponsored by SuperheroStuff.com. Sci-Fi For Me Radio presents Timothy Harvey, Jason Hunt. This is H2O. Welcome, everyone. This episode of H2O. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor at SciFiForMe.com. I am Timothy Harvey. And who, you're well. I'm a writer and an editor, and I do something. I, I, I call myself the editor for HorrorForMe.com, and, <laughs> and occasionally when I have time, that actually happens. Um, this is kind of our. We've got so much going on outside of this. We don't really know what we're talking about. Episode. Right. Although I had a I had a thought. Um, we had a we had a reader. Give us a suggestion. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Dave wrote in and said, Dear Jason and Tim, mm-hmm. if you had the ability to fix a show, you know, mm-hmm. we've talked about shows sure. that, you know, weren't right. If you, if you had the ability to fix a show, what show would you fix and how would you fix it? So that <laughs> that, that could be, and then, then the conversation that you and I were having Prior to recording, you mean about, about Fear the about Walking, Fear the Dead? Walking Dead yeah. and the and the problems that it has mm. has sure. me has me thinking about another aspect of that. So yeah. so first half of the show, let's take a couple of shows that don't work very well and okay. see if we can fix them. Okay, <laughs> and it's completely random and sure. you know no 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 idea what we're gonna what we're gonna do here. And then the second half of the show, mm. let's. Build a show. Let's build the perfect show. Okay, hang on. I don't think that's possible. <laughs> what are you, well, because you're talking about half an hour. You're talking what about you the, the, the flaws, uh, the flaws in the Walking Dead shows. Sure. And that kind of got to me, got me a prompt. And it was like, okay, well, if 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 you were to have the perfect show, what would the perfect show be? Well, and okay. I think I think though you need to you need to establish some parameters to do that though because the perfect show is going to depending on the kind of show. So right. So something like uh, this whole thing came out of a conversation. Dustin and I recorded our latest uh, Zompocalypse Now podcast, talking about the latest episode of Fear the Walking Dead, which made us actually angry. Yes, we are. Uh, it's it's a good thing you could not see our. And it's all audio. There was much gnashing of teeth. There was gnashing of teeth and 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 angry faces, and you can hear it in our voices. We're actively angry because it is. It is a, it, it's an insulting show. I mean, it's it's just so bad. Um, and this is not a bash on the folks who make the show. I mean, the, the cast and the crew, right? right? They're working very, very hard to make a good show. The writing is just bad. It's just bad. Yeah. So, But it's a very specific kind of bad because it looks at humanity in a certain way because it's a post-apocalyptic kind of show. A bad superhero show that could be fixed, hopefully by not burning it to the ground and rebuilding, but maybe taking the elements you already have, it's going to be different than a post-apocalyptic show. And, you know, a space opera, or... I mean, so it kind of depends on... Right. on, where you, what, on the show. ...what you're doing, because uh, the needs of some shows are not the needs of other shows to make them... The needs of the many. ...survivable. The needs of the few. Not, oh. set, not set the people okay, with all so, that fire. So if, you had, so if you had a show to fix, <laughs> it sounds like Fear the Walking Dead would be a good candidate. Cancel. Oh, you'd cancel I'd it. Cancel. That's how. That's would, how you would fix it. I would huh? cancel it because. Okay. Well, all right. Because um, you and Dustin talked about uh, the the more interesting aspects of Fear the Walking Dead had to do with the military, and I remember you guys talking about very what, early on. Yeah. What would be an interesting spinoff show? Oh, would yeah. be to to go in like say in the Midwest and see how the military is handling I would the zombie lo- I would love to see a show where the military does where okay so one of the problems with genre fiction is that the military very often not always but very often is portrayed as a bunch of power mad tyrants with guns right and there are there are exceptions but it's when it and, and this is I'm mostly talking about television and film because it's shorthand, okay? You only have X amount of time to tell a story. Right. And one of the ways to do that is to establish a villain. And the villain in making a military character or a police character, or because you've got an authority figure... Who's abusing his authority. Exactly. And, yeah. and it's it's very easy to do. And it's sure. it can be done well, but a lot of times it's lazy. 
All right. So, and I'm not saying that I, I, I want a moratorium on evil military or evil police or any of these things in storytelling because sometimes they make great villains. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, that we get more of that than we get of the noble character, the yeah. the person who is dedicated to protecting the populace versus, you know, well, I have to have order, so that, therefore I have to basically have martial law, right? And martial law. Never goes law, well. Yeah, it, in, in the real world, martial law generally doesn't go well. In in the literary and, and film and television world, it never goes well. There's no good ending for martial law. Right. So yeah, having a military show where basically you had a uh, okay, we're not we're not too far from Fort Leavenworth or Fort Riley yeah. over in in uh, Manhattan, Kansas. Whiteman Air Force Base. Exactly. Uh, we've got uh, Wichita, Kansas, where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Uh, McConnell Air Force Base. The Midwest is, I think, is an interesting place because well, you have these. Uh, what's what's the base up in Omaha where the the big? Um, oh right, yeah. Because when nine eleven happened, uh-huh. that's where they took the president. Right. Was was Omaha? Mm-hmm. Uh, what was uh, what base is, is that? Offutt? Is that Offutt? Offutt Maybe. Air Maybe. Know. But anyway, you can the mid. And I, the reason I would want to put it in the Midwest is because your East Coast and your West Coast are your really high population centers. And therefore, your zombie kind of your zombie apocalypse thing is going to be the places where things are probably going to fall apart quicker, right? Just because of population density and the ability for these things to spread very quickly. And then, you know, in the Midwest, you're going to have a slower burn, and therefore, you might have a chance for someone to sit there and go, "Okay, we are sealing in the military base." Right. Have, you know, and a lot of military bases have families. They have they have civilian housing. The families are on, on, mm-hmm, on yeah, because they're on the base. Um, and so you have this. You basically have a show that you can can have someone say, all right. Now, they kind of did that with containment on the CW. Only it wasn't a zombie outbreak. It was a viral thing. Right. But it wasn't, the zo- it wasn't zombies. But nobody watched that show. Well, I think, unfortunately, that these days, um, there are certain things that you got to do to get people to watch your show. And maybe that right now happens to be, does it have zombies in it? Does it have superheroes in it? Does it have vampires? You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think that would be the kind of show you could actually do and have, and certainly you know, okay, if you grab a thousand, let's 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 say our our you know our core cast is what six because that's about the the optimal number anymore. Right. For six to nine, and then you have a bunch of extras. So so say your say your culture your your little bubble of of survival is a thousand people, right? Okay. In that thousand people, you're going to have bad apples. So you can have internal conflict if you want it, right? Right. Um, you can have folks who think that the person who is in charge shouldn't be in charge, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But what you could have a religious zealot be a ticking time bomb. Sure. Or you could have somebody who uh, looks at all of this and says it's just not worth it, you right. know. And then and that suicide that that suicidal person makes themselves a danger to everyone around them. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's a lot. You if you, you these are tropes that already exist in a lot of shows, and you can play with them if you want. But the cool thing would be is that you'd go out into the world and these people would move as a military unit and they would be out there trying to trying to bring civilians back in and to save people and to go through and stop the zombie apocalypse. And it's so you have you could have search and destroy missions, you could have rescue missions, you could have rebuilding society, you could have all these things that a lot of these shows all the zombie shows really are not about rebuilding the world. No, they're just about getting getting away from the zombies, and fighting the zombies. E- even when you find a community, Walking Dead is is a great sinner in this regard because every every other community aside from Rick and Company is full of crazy people. <laughs> they are either crazy evil, or they are crazy crazy, or they are crazy oblivious, or they are crazy naive. Every single every single culture, every yeah. little mini bubble culture that they encounter, these people are nuts, <laughs> and. And it makes for conflict, right? And of course, it's an, it's a weekly show, so and it's only so many episodes long. I, I get it, but I'm tired of it right. because it's boring after a while, and it's the same thing. And it does something that this is one of the things that again ticked Dustin and I off, I off really bad is that there's no sense of hope. There's this nihilistic worldview where everybody's awful, and we had a, there's a moment there's actually a good moment in Fear of the Walking Dead this last week. Where people actually, you know, you got you got a, a a gate where all these people are outside and they're not letting them in. Okay. At the end of the episode, without a line or comment or anything, you see that they've let them in. Because somebody in the group sat there and went, 
well, we should help them. And so they did. Because that's what actually happens in disasters and crises yeah. and things yeah. like that. We actually do that. Newsflash, and it's easy to forget that in the middle of the political season or the, the news or whatever it is. I mean, they're bad news sells. What? Yeah, I know. If it leads, it leads, right? It leads, right? it leads. That's right. Good news. Somebody, somebody once set up a website that was supposed to be all good news. It didn't last. It very didn't long. last very long because, for whatever reason, we're and part of that's because we're wired that way. I think. I think humans are wired. That's what we're doing wrong. We're not being. We're not being <laughs> negative enough. Great. No. No. I don't. I, I, am, neg- I am negative should, about being negative. We should do. <laughs> we should do an article a week, just one article a week, on some fictional science fiction or fantasy disaster somewhere. You know. You know, um, uh, we could write uh, a news article. We, well, Praxis explodes. Exactly. You we know, we could. We could pick. We got a, a wide range of things to pick choose from. We could write it up as a news article. Yeah, I could. There yeah, you go. we could Here do that. That. Yeah. that sounds like fun. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, so, so the, for the zombie, for the zompocalypse, zompocalypse now. Plug there for the podcast. <laughs> yes. For the for the zompocalypse, zomp, I'm so used to saying it now. I can't stop, not say it. For the zombie apocalypse stories, for the and for any apocalypse story. Mm. The idea that you could to basically tell the story of people trying to to recover and not make it into an automatic us versus them conflict kind of show. You can have conflict. Conflict so, conflict drives storytelling. I know that. But so, I mean, so if you're going to fix The Walking Dead, let's say if you because you're going to you're going to fix Fear the Walking Dead by canceling it. Well, okay. So in all fairness to, to for, uh, Walking Dead, is, Fear the Walking Dead, I is is coming back for a third season. Um. Unless they unless they decide they're gonna kill it because the numbers are what they are, but it's it officially has been renewed. It's, for, yeah, it's already yeah, it's, got it's a renewal. Renewal. And they actually have some elements in the show right now that if they were to play with, which they have not been, you could fix Fear the Walking Dead. And that is, they are at a hotel. Um, it is a defensible position. It is a place where you've got lots of room for people. You've got the ability to generate some power there. Uh, you've got it's it's relatively zombie free. There's a lot of things you could do, and you could still may have have the conflicts that drive drama, right? But you could also have it be about people rebuilding and creating something bigger and better, and building a a bulkhead uh, against the world, and then making it bigger and having it get bigger and bigger. Kind of, kind of like what they but it did. Would, it would be leaving the Walking Dead universe because that's not yeah. the Walking Dead universe. It would be kind of like what they did with Falling Skies, where they had the community in, I think it's in North Carolina, because mm-hmm. the second mass was going south. I think, I think it was North Carolina. That's where they had reestablished the United States mm-hmm. after the alien invasion, and you had your president and your captain sure. and all of that down there. So you had this new society that was being built. I want to say in South Carolina, but somewhere somewhere down south. But see, the problem with that show rebuilding. is that every season they had to bring in a new big bad, yeah, and a new big conflict. So, which again, you know, it's it's kind of the structure of these kinds of stories. Mm-hmm. I think the challenge would be to do that kind of show and have people watch it, because yeah. I think that, yeah. I, and certainly, and and the, and the the unfortunate thing is that we don't actually know if there's an audience for this out there. There might very well be. But the studios—that's not what the studios are looking at. No, you know what I mean. Yeah, they want—they want the disaster and the. And I'm not saying those shows terrible. can't be fun. I, um, uh, Z Nation, is not a good show, <laughs> but it is very entertaining. But, but see, they're—they're they're not a good show in a way that. They embrace the not a good show. Right. It's—it's it's one of those. They clearly. Are not taking themselves seriously. Right. So it's like the librarians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The librarians is a good show, but it's also not a serious show. Right. It's it you know it's t- uh, you know time travel and magic and whatever else they have to do to save the world. That could be really you know they could get really heavy with that. Oh, really sure. dark and heavy because mm-hmm. they have they have gotten dark in a couple of places with that. But, but they're th- still having fun. But see, the thing is, is that those dark moments work because they have a contrast. Yeah, exactly. Because yes. you are never going to have a comedy The Walking Dead episode. Well, speaking of which, just a little off topic. Did you mm-hmm. see um, the the two minute 
preview of Supergirl where she and her cousin are saving the the space plane? Have you seen that yet? No. <gasps> However, I did it. I did look at Supergirl with the John Williams theme. Yeah, that yeah, that's the it's one. It's the same thing. It's okay, the same okay, one. I, they just I, replaced I, the music. They Okay, no, no. All right, all right, then I, yeah. all right, all right, fine. So the the official one uh-huh. has of course the CB, uh, the Supergirl oh, music. Oh, so I, 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 I've, I've seen the adapted one, not the official one. Oh, yeah, they've okay. taken the, what all they've right. done some somehow and and I've got to think that this whoever did it either works at a CW affiliate or knows somebody who's at a CW affiliate because mm-hmm. it's clearly he's taking he's taking a split track mm-hmm. promo, pulled all the music out mm-hmm. and put John Williams music in. Okay. And I have seen so many comments. You talk about, you know, the dark versus mm-hmm. you know, the thing the contrast between yeah. dark and fun. People are sitting there saying in those two minutes those two minutes have a better Superman, a better portrayal of Superman than Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman combined. And I thought, yeah, it kind of does. You know, because it's 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 that feel, it's that tone. And this is something yeah. we talked about when Supergirl first came on. Chris Reeve would be right at home on oh, that sure. show. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. And I think, I think when you have when you have the kind of show that Supergirl had clearly has been and is clearly continuing to be um, it speaks to a certain kind of idea that we have about superheroes that uh, certain certainly kinds of certain kinds of superheroes that characters like Superman and, and, mm-hmm. and you know the inspirational heroes and you can have dark and gritty and sometimes it works sometimes arrow has done very effective dark and gritty flash less has, frequently flash has gone into some very dark places but the contrast yeah. is is that your character is, is a genuinely nice, upbeat guy. So that when did you, you... Did you see the photos from Flash Season 3, uh, uh, second episode, Paradox? Uh-uh. They, they put photos out there. Mm-hmm. There's one photo in particular where Grant Gustin mm-hmm. is in costume as the Flash. Mm-hmm. And standing next to him is John Wesley Shipp mm-hmm. in costume as the Flash. It is so fun. But that that actually leads me into the show that I would fix. Yeah. And that's Gotham. Cancel it. <laughs> no, well, besides no. cancelling, if, if cancellation, cancellation was Cancellation is not my answer to everything. If if you were to fix Gotham, the, 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 since you can't make it Gotham Central. No, not at this point. What you do is you take it all the way to its extreme weird end point. Your prequel to is, Batman 66. Which is... Oh, <laughs> you could do that too. <laughs> but since since you're getting most of Batman's rogues gallery already mm-hmm. without Batman. Right. And since you have a Jim Gordon who is demonstrated currently demonstrating the whole vigilante mm-hmm. part of this thing what you do is you sit there and at some point somehow establish that this is a completely different earth because it's a multiverse right, right? yeah uh-huh. I mean because you could do that because sure. it's not connected to any other any other show but you take it all the way to the extreme and you kill Bruce Wayne and James Gordon becomes the Batman in this in this James Gordon becomes the Batman Bruce Wayne becomes Robin oh that works too that works too and Alfred becomes Alfred oh wait but see the thing what it is though if you make this Bruce Wayne Robin Mm -hmm. there's no contrast between those two characters because Jim Gordon is dark and broody Mm -hmm. and Bruce Wayne as Robin would be dark and broody what you do is you make Selina Robin oh there you go because she feels responsible for Bruce's death, so now she's got to make up for it. So she becomes the sidekick to James G- Jim Gordon's Batman. This would I might actually start watching the show again, and that takes because I'm not watching the show. That takes the Carrie Kelly mm-hmm. aspect of Robin sure. from Dark Knight Returns mm-hmm. and puts that into that show. You make Jim Gordon Batman and and Selina Robin. I don't. I think that that would actually do. That would actually go a long way to making me watch the show again because yeah. I gave up on the show. I. To me, it had gone so far off the rails. Yep. Um, well, and but 
Okay, but here's a question for you. When we talk about saving a show, uh-huh. where you are you saving a show because it's going off the rails and it's going to get canceled? Or are you saving a show because it's still on the air and you don't understand why? Because, for example, uh, yeah, yeah. Saving, saving Constantine would have involved them going six episodes into the series and... Yeah. And resetting the tone back to episode one with that six episode, you know, about halfway through the arc of that show, they found their tone, but it was too late. Yeah. And so they they the show got canceled, even though the second half of that season, that the, the only season we got, was snark, you know, it was snarky John. Yeah. In, in, in a way, you know, it was dangerous John in a way that the show should have been right out of the gate. Well, and and we know on that particular case, it's because the lead character changed, and you had scripts for the old lead character that they were doing in mm-hmm. the time they could get to the new lead character, right? And put that together. So, um, I think, yeah, I, I think you could uh, you could make a case for one or the other, whether it's uh, you know saving a show from itself mm-hmm. or saving a show from cancellation. You, there's um, I guess there would be a a a, a, po- a process for either, depending mm-hmm. on the show and what was causing it to be in trouble. Um, so I mean, you you, have, you do have to look at the fact that some of these shows that uh, Enterprise, okay, yeah, yeah, final season of Enterprise. Oh was, yeah, was yeah. saving the show. If you but had given late. yeah, if you'd given Manny Cotto another season, mm-hmm. I you, think everything could have been. But you'd hemorrhage so save, many viewers save, at that yeah. point, and you'd lost so much of the the, the fans. Well, the important a- the, for the important the important fan base. Was, Agents was of Shield. Yeah. Agents of Shield is a good example of that, where you have that first season where you know, hey, twenty two million people watched the first episode, mm-hmm. and then not because <laughs> as you're going, Sky. yeah, really, yeah, as you're, we're not going to be able to do that anymore. Uh, we'll see. Uh, folks, listen to level eleven seven. We are talking about. Uh, uh, all the Marvel stuff over there, including Ghost Rider. Well, now, okay. Did Did anybody listen to my to the first episode uh, back on that season? Because I put Johnny Cash in that episode. I don't know if anybody noticed <laughs> that or not. I, I yeah, Johnny Cash is in that episode. Well, interestingly enough, that's an, this is an example. Ghost Rider on Agents of Shield is saving the character in a way, even though it's a completely different version of Ghost Rider. Saving the character or saving the show? No, no, saving the character or both. because well, maybe maybe both. Because um, it's certainly an interesting tone shift for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but because it's very much a darker, edgier, yes. more... There's a lot more horror element in it, which is kind of which is actually kind of cool. It's, it's actually fitting well. Um, maybe a little more of the surreal that uh, uh, the original comics might have had more of a feel from. Right. But the, the Nicolas Cage Ghost Rider movies, which never worked, which never worked and still got a sequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought they were okay. I, 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 did I see the second one? I think I saw bits and pieces of the second one. No, maybe I did see this. I don't know. Well, no, I didn't you know, see... Nicholas Cage can be a really fine actor. And, can be. And, but honestly, there needs to be a point where every really fine actor of a certain age is told, <laughs> you cannot play <laughs> the 30-year-old or the 20-year-old when you are in fact fifties or sixties, yeah. not because you don't have the skills to do it, because I would argue that some of the fi- we have some amazing actors who are above fifty. Sure, just amazing. Sure, but and we will never know now that IMDb can't put ages on. Well, they don't require to put ages on. Right, you can if you want to. Um, why you would want to is a good question because of the the way that it works. Yeah, but, right. But you got to look at uh, Nick. Nick, I, I, you know, I'm a huge fan, Nick. I, I, I gotta tell you. But um, Johnny Blaze needs to be played by a 25 year old. Chris Pine. No, as let Chris he, Pine take all. You the know, shows. As, as, as cool it is as Chris Pine is getting work because he, I think he can be, he can be quite good. Um, we see this happen with other actors too, where young Ben Affleck was cast in everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just well, it's Benedict Cumberbatch. Look yeah. at yeah, when Cumberbatch was in everything for like a year and a half, well, two it's years. It's weird because you know, it's you look at some of the ages. I mean, uh, you you hit this certain pocket where this 30-year-old actor plays all the male leads or this mm-hmm. 25 and and you'll notice 25-year-old actress, 30-year-old actor, 25-year-old actress. Right. <laughs> because Hollywood And it's all Scarlet. 
It's all Scarlett Johansson. Well, it's Scarlett Johansson or uh, uh, Reese Witherspoon. Reese Witherspoon. Well, yeah, certainly during uh, Reese Witherspoon's time. Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence now. Chris Pratt. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. And, and but Harrison Ford for a little while, Bruce Willis for a little while. Right. Hollywood latches onto these folks because it's money. You sure. Got the, you got the box you office. Have, yeah. You have a bankable actor. Right. And do you see, oh, do you see that animated Indiana Jones? Uh uh-uh. Thing. Um. Some guy, I don't know, yeah, I think he's a college student. It took him five years to put this thing together. Hmm. It's an animated Indiana Jones montage where he's going from one scenario to the next and short rounds in it and, and uh, uh, Marion's in it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's basically as if it were the title sequence oh, okay. of an animated Indiana Jones cartoon. So there's no dialogue. Mm-hmm. But Everybody, everybody's reacting to this was like, this is so cool. This is amazing. I'd watch this show. This would, yeah, this would, you know, Lucasfilm should hire you. Let's do this show. And I got to thinking about it. I'm like, I, I'd watch an animated Indiana oh, Jones, sure. and no, you could it, get it, Harrison it, Harrison Ford to play Indiana Jones forever. It would, it would lend itself very well to that. Or you get, or no, even better, you get an Indiana Jones, uh, voiced by Tom Selleck. Have you seen the art? Did you see the article? I can't remember where I saw it about how Marion should be dead. Because, well, because they did they did the uh, analysis of how much alcohol she drank versus her body weight, right? And how basically she'd be dead. Ah, she would. would, The alcohol poisoning would have killed her in that first scene because she'd already drank X amount of alcohol, right? Because based on the number of, of glasses in front of her. No, but it doesn't take into account that maybe she's acclimated. Doesn't matter. Uh-huh. She's, you, you're her her body mass. She could not. She, there's it's simply not possible yeah. for her to consume that much alcohol without her system going. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you see? Uh, do you see the other fan theory that Han Solo might not be dead? That he might be hanging at the bottom of Star Killer Base. <laughs> <laughs> Did they blow it up? Yeah, they blew it up. <laughs> but see. There was Hang just on. enough time. He fell down the chasm, uh-huh. right? Right. Caught himself at the bottom. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. Where Lando Calrissian was waiting. Of course. Because, you know, right. you always have a backup plan. Of course, right? yes. So Lando saves Han right before Starkiller Base sure, blows sure. up completely. I'm on board with this. Because <laughs> I, because a guy that I Why not? Billy D. Williams and then... That's right. That's right. <laughs> Harrison Ford's in there going, what took you so long? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Really? Right? Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on board with that. That's, that's, that's Dear Lucasfilm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, no, I hadn't seen that, but I like that idea a lot. Yeah. All right, so we have fixed The Walking Dead. <laughs> we have fixed Gotham. Uh-huh. Um, I'm sure there are other shows that probably need fixing that <laughs> we're not going to be able to fix. Agent Carter, you know how you fix Agent Carter? Bring it back. Bring it back. There you go. Yes. Well, right. or, or and the, you, you can get into the argument of whether or not a show needs to be fixed. Because Lucifer, I think, is squandering its yeah. its uh, uh, potential. But at the same time, it's a very fun, entertaining show. I just think it could be more. And we will have more after we go get more coffee. And and you can hear from superherostuff.com. Who has lots of more. They have lots all of kinds more. of stuff. Yes. And we need to order our stuff. I keep saying that. Yeah, we we haven't put our order. That's true. We have to put an order in. Yes. yes. All right. We will be back with... The perfect show when H2O continues right after this. This is Sci Fi for Me Radio. Where can you get the latest cool superhero and sci fi merchandise? SuperheroStuff.com! From t shirts to keychains to cookie jars and everything in between. Superhero Stuff has added more buyers to the staff, which means more stuff, which means more for you to choose from. And don't forget the Hero Box, the must have superhero mystery box. A $70 value, just $49. Visit SuperheroStuff.com today and gear up with your favorites. SuperheroStuff.com! Where heroes shop. I'm meteorologist Brian Busby. If you're traveling to a convention this weekend, especially if you're a cosplayer, it helps to know what the weather's going to be like. Rain and fur don't mix very well, now do they? That's why every week, Sci-Fi for Me gives you the weather forecast for every city hosting a convention. Those we have on our list, anyway. And that's worldwide, not just in the United States. It's part of our commitment to bring you content you won't find anywhere else. Just click on the Conventions tab over at SciFiForMe.com, your portal to the science fiction multiverse. 
Whoa, where'd you get that shirt? Bought it at the convention last week. It's an atomic cotton design. Atomic cotton? Yep, they got t-shirt designs from sci-fi, horror, cult films. All the shirts were really unique and fun. I had to get one. I gotta wait for another convention, though. Nope. AtomicCotton.com. I ordered a shirt. Shipping was super fast. Atomic Cotton, where Erica and Zach combine their passion for art and film to create wearable art. All original, made with a love for the genre. Coming to a convention near you very soon. Or find them on the web at AtomicCotton.com. Atomic Cotton. Shirts and art for fans by fans. Star Wars fans, McKenna Riley here inviting you to join me for the latest news, rumor, and innuendo from a galaxy far, far away. Salacious Crumbs only on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Have you been watching Longmire? I have not. Oh, such a fantastic show. Between Longmire and Luke Cage, I've spent many an hour in front of Netflix this week. <laughs> so... I uh, I have got my hands on the animated HP Lovecraft as a child movie. Oh yeah. It's supposed to be the first of a trilogy. Oh, that'll be fun. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. I haven't yeah. watched it yet, but I. All right, back on H two O, Jason Hunter along with Timothy Carvey. Hello. And now, hmm. for your what? Yes. I just I just want to point out that yes. it's unfortunate that we were upstairs. We are a very spirited and fun conversation about all kinds of neat. <laughs> TV stuff and uh, had nothing to do with the topic at hand. No, but we will we will cover some of that on the next Rogues Gallery. Yes, we will. Yes, we which will. we'll be recording uh, on Friday. We're recording this episode. We record H2O on Thursdays. Mm -hmm. We record Rogues Gallery on Friday. Mm -hmm. So for us, tomorrow, we'll be talking about Legends Tomorrow and the Supergirl. The, that was <laughs> such a fun promo, and uh, and the and the and the Fight Club right. promo, and all of that. That's that's tomorrow, and it'll be so much fun. <laughs> iTunes, podcast.com, yep, all the shows. Except, I learned was it yesterday or today? iTunes apparently is playing all the podcasts much faster our uh, our last episode here right h2o was is it clocks in at an hour and 10 minutes uh-huh all right yeah on iTunes it's an hour and two because iTunes is playing it very much faster, and we sound like you know, I, mean, I mean, it's accelerated. It's compressed. It's something, oh, something in the iTunes compression, oh, no. but it's not doing it. It's not just us. It's everything really? that you're playing in iTunes because because uh, the the iPhone, uh, Mac, all whatever they just had an OS update, right? And something in there. Really? I don't know what it was. Okay. I don't know if it's an iTunes update huh. or if it's a if it's a, a an iPhone operating system update. But there's something in the iPhone, uh, the iTunes player now, that's accelerating. It's compressing the file so it plays faster. Oh, wow. So I have listened to iTunes lately. So I those of you iTunes, so. who are listening to us on <laughs> iTunes, maybe go to podcast.com. It's almost it's almost, <laughs> it's almost like we've got uh, uh, a reverse uh, chipmunk uh, oh. thing here. Where well, no, it actually it not actually reverse. is the chipmunks. Yeah, because we're talking in a normal. What what hey, would see? It's going. Yeah. It's going oh God. You sound really interesting. Accelerated. I bet. Yeah. Oh, no, oh, oh, it was level eleven seven. I was listening. We was listening to that earlier I'm today. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I want to know what I sound like. Um, up. you sound like yourself. Just better. Mm. But uh, yeah, those of you, I, the, if yeah, we haven't gotten anybody saying anything to us yet on a on a you know worldwide basis or anything like that. But it is an iTunes thing. It's not us because okay. if you play back on sci-fi.com or you play back on podcast.com, we sound normal. Have we have we sent a message to them? Uh, I that? I put a I put a tweet in on Twitter and tagged iTunes, but I haven't sent them. I haven't sent anything to uh, to the support to technical sure. support yet uh, because I've been having other computer right, yeah. issues. Okay, so now the moment of truth. We are going to design. The perfect TV show. The perfect genre TV show. 
Uh huh. <laughs> we're yes, we're, we are going to do that. Yes. Why not? Because. Okay, which which aspect of the genre? Uh, what is your target audience? I tell you what. There's not enough comedy in genre. Is this true? A science fiction comedy. Let's 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 decide we're going to make a science fiction comedy. Okay, well, so and and science fiction it could be anything from pew pew ray gun spaceships mm-hmm. to superheroes. So any anything in science fiction. Let's make a a, a comedy, a science fiction comedy. Well, okay, because you can you can here's here's some here's some examples of successful ones. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yes. Um, Red Dwarf. Which is back. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Lex, about half of the show, because it was more... Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Uh, okay. Um, Farscape had comedic Farsc- elements. Yeah, Farscape definitely had a, a, a comedy, but ca- Farscape's comedy was often very dark comedy. You had moments of sheer, sheer silliness, mm. but the humor level that ran through Farscape was often very dark. And it wasn't a comedy show no, no. like Red Dwarf would have been. In fact, that one of the ways reasons that show worked as well as it did was because you went into very dark situations with characters who were looking to find humor. They're, they're looking to find moments of light in darkness. Yes. And so John Crichton would find that through humor, and he would also use humor as a weapon. Yes. Because people oh, yeah. were confused by the crazy thing he just said. And they're like, what are you talking about, crazy earth person? <laughs> and, but, you know, so, but the audience, for the audience, it was very funny. Um, what, okay, other, other good uh, comedy... There's really not a lot. There, well, there aren't and, in terms of genre, and certainly, certainly shows can be funny, but in terms of it being a comedy itself, um, how, what kind of humor do you want to go with? Because, for example, you could do a television show, and somebody should, by the way, uh, a television show based on the the Charles Strauss Laundry series, uh-huh. where you would have spies. You know, you've got uh, government agency spies and Cthulhu. Um, you know, Lovecraft. Sure. Uh, through through bureaucracy. Yeah, you could do it's, you could do parody. You could do. Um, uh, but it's often very funny. So it's 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 the office meets the end y- of the world. See, I never got into the office, so I don't mm. think the dry humor like that. Well, I don't know how dry it is. It's kind of weird. I actually was not a huge fan of the American Office. I uh-huh. enjoyed the, fir- the the original British Office. Okay, so um, so our comedy should be a British comedy. Well, it could be. Um, well, okay, so here's here's the thing. British comedy, sweeping generalization time, okay? I mean, like, really sweeping generalization. There is, in many ways, the difference between American comedy and British comedy is British comedy is about embarrassment. The right, fear of sure. being embarrassed. Right. And See American that? comedy is often about the fear of getting hurt. Slapstick. Slapstick, right? Yeah. So it's slapstick versus... Uh, uh, Okay. Yeah. What if what if we did it as a romantic comedy? Romancing the Stone with superheroes. Ooh. Or actually, do... that would work really, really well. Could be. I think it, that could actually work really, really well. That that could. Okay. All right. So uh-huh. here, there's our concept: romancing the stone with superheroes. Because to be perfectly honest, you can play with a lot of the great superhero stories. Because in many ways, you go back to the old radio plays. You go back to yep. Superman on the radio, and Lois Lane trying to prove Superman, Clark Kent is Superman. Uh huh. Or you go back to, I mean, there were elements of comedy built into some of those shows anyway, and you could do that. Oh wow! Actually, I th- Lois and remember, okay, Lois and Clark tried well, to do, yeah, tried to yeah, tried to have similar some, similar so, things. Okay, so your lead character then has got to be. Oh, here's what we do. Mm-hmm. Here's what we do. Instead of building it from scratch, mm-hmm. let's take pieces from all the things. Because your lead character on this has to be Jack Burton. <laughs> right? Okay. But remember, Jack Burton was, in fact, the sidekick. Yeah, but in this in this, in this this show, he could be the lead. A little bit smarter, but okay, that but, type. So, so you're, okay, uh, Jack Burton-esque, uh, Jack, not yeah, Jack, Jack Burton, Burton himself. Okay, yeah, okay, no, okay, not right, Jack right. Burton himself, but that kind that Because it might of, be a licensing issue. You know, the, the, the heroic, the, sure, you know, the yeah, big yeah. bulk, you know, that that kind. Um, and he could still be a little dim. Yeah. You know, the tick. Sure, yeah. You know, Patrick Warburton playing anything, mm. you know, right? Sure, okay. 
Patrick Warburton has done a remarkable job of building your career based on lovable characters who are oblivious to various aspects <laughs> of reality. Yes. yes. And yes. I don't know that you can say that about too many actors who sat there and go, no. your entire career is built around people who sit there and look at things and just like, there's a blind spot where right. huge chunks of reality just don't exist for them, and yet you love these characters. I wish I could find a niche like that. That'd be <laughs> so okay. So who would be the Kathleen Turner character? Because she's kind of an outsider. She's getting she gets caught up in the whole thing, right? She's not. So she's not. She well, doesn't have powers. She wouldn't have powers. Jack Burton has power. This this our our lead would have some sort of power. I think. You, well, I think honestly, you could do something that would be like the the reporter or the the scientist or the the figure, the responsible figure. Uh-huh. Who's caught up in all of this? Who finds themselves uh, for for no apparent reason, constantly needing rescued? Okay, almost by accident, she needs to be rescued. So she is completely capable, but he keeps coming along and rescuing her. So um, whether she needs rescuing or not. So Osgood. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. They're excellent. Yeah, I like that. Jack Burton and Osgood. Oh, oh that could okay. be fun. Yes, that would be in the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> well, I think I think it, it, there's something to be said for subverting, uh, and and we have, our our modern audiences are not necessarily going to want to look at a woman who needs to be saved all the time. Right. Um. Uh, you're certainly that would be a way to potentially turn off about oh I don't know, fifty percent of your viewing audience. If not nah, more, maybe. you know the yeah. the people who, the, the people who actually are very fond of the strong women in their lives might not be particularly impressed by that that concept. Yeah, but you know, there's there is uh, there is room for a female character that is not the the Ripley type. I mean, sure, but I think there is a, there is there is the potential to go completely in the opposite direction oh, sure. in terms of extreme. But if you're going to have if you're going to have a Jack Burton-esque character, uh-huh. you've got to have a strong woman against him. Right. I think Osgood would work. Oh yeah, I think yeah. that I, but I think that you can't, you know, the I I kind of <laughs> really like the idea of she's constantly getting rescued whether she wants to be rescued or not. And she's like, "I'm doing fine here. I do not yeah. actually need yes. to be rescued at this time." And okay, so so you've got the <laughs> you've got the romantic coupling there, which takes uh, which takes Oh, what about sidekick? Well, how 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 much do we want to do the romantic coupling? Do we want to do first season of Moonlighting? Oh yeah. Or, or oh do we, yeah. Or do it's, we want to? Or do you want to do second season of Moonlighting? It's no 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 no. Okay. No, no they saying. never get together. Okay, that's important. It's always the tease. Mm-hmm. It's always the almost. By the way, Hollywood, um, Hollywood at, and TV, wherever your your source of of creation is happening, um, they don't always have to get together. No, and it's better that they don't. Oddly enough, although I, although it's hard to tell it, through entertainment, men and women can just be friends, and sometimes that makes for a much better storytelling than, oh, darling, I finally realized I love you so. Which is again, that's that's the that's the that's the series finale <laughs> when she says it and then leaves him. Oh, <laughs> right. Okay, well, there's a question. Is it an ongoing series, or is it, or does it have a defined end? Because this is something else that we're starting to see, right, that right. a lot of stories are benefiting from having a defined end. There, as much I'd as, say give it five years. Give I mean, it a five, do a five-season arc and be done. And Yeah, and each season is an arc. Yes. So, I mean, the Netflix shows certainly have done a really good job of establishing that if you mm-hmm. give, give me ten episodes, okay. and I can give you a beginning, a middle, and an end. Okay, so we do five, ten, it's five, five seasons, ten episodes apiece. Mm-hmm. Jack Burton and Osgood in the Millennium Falcon. Sidekick? Do we, do we give them a sidekick? Oh, sure. You should well, you know, both, both Jack them, Burton has to have a sidekick both of them when should have she one. encounters him. Both of them should have one, but it should be no, a different... No, she has a boss. A sidekick-esque boss. Well, she either has a boss or she has an employee, because because either way you're playing with, with the, the dynamics there, the power dynamics of that, which can be fun. Right. Yeah, I like the idea of her having a boss better because it... It plays with the irony of her competence because we're still. If we're going to do that whole, I'm doing just fine. I don't mm-hmm. need to be rescued. Then you could also play with the, I may be smarter than my boss type 
Mm. In addition to that, you know, she's very competent, very capable. All she's got to do is have the boss say, go this way, and she goes. And, you know, she's proven herself. So she sure, needs, okay, okay, fair enough. Okay, so she, okay, so a sidekick and a boss. So who's the sidekick? Who's Jack Burton's sidekick? Okay, well, you could you could go with the sidekick who thinks that everything that the hero does is right. Just the fawning, the, right, ba- the, the, the baldric yeah. of, you know... Of the Baldrick to Blackadder, you uh-huh. know, where blind obedience, blind following, um, and then you could also have the complete opposite is is the person who is stuck with him. Oh, I like that. Who's like, actually, he could actually be the person who is actually the hero and knows it, but so you could actually you could actually continue you could actually riff even more off the Big Trouble in Old China, yeah. Where the actual hero of the show is this other character. Well, it's um, Hitchhiker's Guide. Not Arthur. Ford. Arthur. Arthur. Yeah. 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 So the sidekick is Arthur Dent. <laughs> Arthur Dent to Jack Burton. And um, the, the, fawning, the fawning character is, yeah. is Peter Lorre. Mm. Any character played by Peter Lorre. Rick, Rick, help me, Rick. <laughs> exactly. I, yes. My eyes don't bug like that. Well, still, still. I know. I mean, that would, because then he could be like Peter Lorre as Huggy Bear. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, God, I love Cause, it. Because he could be the informant. Give this to me. He could be the informant, yeah. and but also be the one who's just all, always sucking up. And let me, oh, I want to try to impress he you. He could be the villain. No, 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 no. Because your villain, your villain has to be. Um, I, I know how you villain. Oh, okay, okay. All right. Okay, so sidekick, uh, and then you have uh, Peter Laurie as Huggy Bear, um, as the as the. Peter Laurie is anything. <laughs> He's so funny. Folks, right, if you, if you have so not, if uh, this this is the plug for for nineteen forties movies, <laughs> anything with Peter Laurie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's actually he actually uh, does amazing comedy, but he also does an amazing villain. Oh yeah, M. yeah, oh yeah. M. He is yeah, just he's, he's terrifying. He's great. Uh, but if you have never seen a Peter Laurie film, I highly recommend you go see one because he was a, he's a, he's a lost treasure. If you're doing uh, a villain, since we're doing a comedy, yeah, yeah, all right. And you're doing a villain in science fiction. Mm. He must be a mad scientist, right? Okay. So now, would he be a mad scientist, or would he be a mildly irritated scientist? He'd be a mad scientist. <laughs> Alan Rickman as young Frankenstein. Okay, but okay, but we don't have Alan Rickman anymore because know, the universe that, is that a type, cruel place. That type. That type. You have you have Hans Gruber. Yeah. yeah. You have the mad scientist version of Hans Gruber. Very polite. Uh huh. Very dignified, uh-huh. very self-contained, uh-huh. until things go wrong, and then it's you know, it's really, really out there. Or, or you sit there and go with the villain who's not actually a villain at all. He's just perceived as the villain. He's actually a perfectly normal, reputable scientist, but somehow they've got into their head that he's the villain. Oh, or you get it both. You could have the one yeah. that is perceived to be the villain mm-hmm. and is so frustrated because I'm just not the villain. I don't want to be the villain. William Shatner as the perceived villain. I don't want to be the villain because I'm not the villain. I'm not a bad guy. And then you have the Hans Gruber Frank- Frankenstein character in the background manipulating everything. Actually, you know what you do is you get James Spader to play that part because because Ooh, he's he's, yes. he, he's gotten so good at Blacklist at being the manipulator and, in fact... Uh, Blacklist is back on the air. Little plug for a non-genre show, and I just watched the first episode of the new season, uh, and I was like, "So it's James Spader, holy, yeah, James Spader as Hans Gruber as Young Frankenstein." And uh, okay, so then your perceived cool villain, hat. your perceived villain is William Shatner as also um, played by James Spader. <laughs> <laughs> They're twins. They're twins. You have the evil, evil twin. twin. The evil twin trope. <laughs> Okay, so James Spader as William Shatner as um, who? Lando Calrissian. <laughs> uh, Yo, trying to be respectable, trying to be a businessman. I just want to do for myself. I just want to. I don't want any trouble. I just want to stay over here. Well, see, the and problem with that my is, own is, that's, is that's awfully close to the speech that Hans Gruber gives when he's talking about. I just want these. He was eating. I just want these beats to be professional. Okay. Yeah, well, so. Um, all right. So, uh, okay. So like a villain, <laughs> a villain who's not a villain. Um, 
a, a business person, a doctor, uh, who? What kind well, of? Well, I think I think honestly, if, if the contrast there comes from the fact that he is clearly politician, he is clearly the scientist who's creating the crazy thing, but the person who's actually abusing it is his twin, is his evil twin, and so he's the so anytime they so he fits. There you go. James Spader as William Shatner as Fitz from <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> oh, I like it. All right, sure. All right, so yeah, I got to make sure we write down the evil twin trope. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, because if the, this, this is the kind of show that the article on TV tropes will be like this long. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and everyone, it's... And it, we use all the tropes. And it's, a, it's, it's the kind of amusing thing where the trope... <laughs> The best part about a good a good show that is tropey is uh-huh. when they recognize it and they play with it. And every episode has to have a lampshade. We've got a lampshade something in that episode every time. Every episode. So what we really need to do is get the writing staff and some of the actors from uh, Middleman back. Oh. oh, that would. And in fact, yeah. we should. We, in fact, we should get the cast of Middleman back <laughs> and find them, put them in the show because that really was one of the 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 best shows. Not enough people watch. I know, I know. Because it is exactly the kind of show that we, as genre fans, it was a show for genre fans. Oh yeah. And uh, the fact that we we it was far too brief a show because it riffed on all of these tropes. Now, do we do we need any kind of villainous organization? Do we need a specter oh, or a chaos? Sure. Or, uh, okay. So what? But what? you know, what you could do you could do, you could do the inversion that uh, uh, Charles Strauss. Uh, the, the creator of the Laundry series wrote an interview where, he, as the author, he went and interviewed Blofeld. Oh yeah. And Blofeld was like, "You do realize that this was the British government crashing, cracking down on small businessmen, right?" Because <laughs> we we were just trying to get ahead in business, and we we were you know they were they were trying to just make sure that we weren't able to horn in on their various aspects of things that they were. And it is such a, it's very funny because it's clearly self-serving. Sure. I mean, you know, Blofeld trying to justify his own behavior. It's right. like you know, that crazy Bond person who kept, you know, showing up and causing <laughs> problems with the business. But it's also it's it's also that kind of just ludicrousness of the of the giant criminal organization right. that has so, that kind of crazy so reach. What if what if the giant criminal organization is a government entity? Oh. This is the version where the kids decided they, they wanted to go straight. And so they, but they can't, they can't ditch their evil reputation. They're actually all good guys now, but nobody <laughs> believes them. <laughs> it's like we reformed. No, you didn't. No, I didn't. Like, are you? We fed children this week. <laughs> to what? No, we gave them food. <laughs> oh, that could be an entire planet like that. One of the, one of the episodes can be set on a planet mm-hmm. where the evil criminal organization's children are now trying to reform everything and they just keep running into so many roadblocks because people don't believe them. And well the thing is is that by the time you get to the end of the first no, second season? Uh-huh. Second season? That they're the big bads because they've realized and that they no one decide, yes. it's like if you if you, you want us to be villains? Fine. Yes. We'll be villains. And they're <laughs> terrible at it. Oh yeah, that'll <laughs> that'll work. Right. So that's that's season two. <laughs> That's season two. All right. So we introduce our criminal organization in season two. Right, yeah, well, so we, introduce them in, we introduce them in season one, but they're a, sort of the background thing where they're always kind of like trying to do the right thing and everyone's like... Right. No one, no one believes them. It's like, like the World Health Organization. Or, you know, some, some, something, you know, with like UNICEF. Right, except, you know, except something with except the backstory. really good good intentions. Right, but they're but they're but they they still have the name of. Yeah, they were all Nazis you, in the past. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it is as if as Weren't if you the back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I reformed. Yeah. If Nazis made uh, UNICEF, you did. you'd look at them and say, "Okay, yeah." Which is right. a really, <laughs> really a terrifying thought. <laughs> I mean, forget forget Captain America going Hail Hydra. Sure. The Nazis creating UNICEF is just like no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, You're break I mean, your heart. That would be the, yeah, but yeah, but that would that would yeah, be kind of exactly, like what yeah. we're t- what we're looking except, at here. Except played for laughs, as, laughs as opposed to oh, played, played for terror, absolutely. like like uh, Nazis on the moon. Yeah, same kind of thing. Um, okay, <laughs> all right. Uh, and that, folks, um, is how you do Nazis funny. Just any, so you know, any robots or, oh, or droids or anything <laughs> sure. like that? Sure. Well, well yeah, we can't you can't call them droids. No, no, but you could have uh, uh, androids and and because it can't it can't copyright android. 
Um, because, well, let's see, that's an operating system, that's a description, mm -hmm. you know, there's all, all those different things. All right, so you have androids. Android or androids? Well, you have at least one android who does not want to be human. Absolutely not. He's like, no, are you kidding me? Have you seen you guys? <laughs> you leak? You <laughs> leak all over the place. You are just, you are... Do you like, shut down for six to eight hours a day? You're not productive enough. Yeah. You definitely, yeah, definitely. At least one, at least one Android is like, no, no, I, and I'm gonna outlive you all. That's 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 the uh, the flip side of Marvin the paranoid Android yes. is just the the yes, superiority so complex. Yes. Um, well, it's almost it's almost if you take C3PO and turn him serious. Oh sure. Because you know I'm. I'm mm -hmm. so much better than you because I'm, you know, I'm fluent in over six million forms of communication. <laughs> and you guys all leak. I, don't know. <laughs> I, uh, can go, I can go underwater and be fine, and you guys like drown and stuff. So you uh, know. yeah, yeah. Oh, this is gonna be this. This is gonna be fun. Um, <laughs> oh my! A Q type of character. Now, when you say Q, do you mean the quartermaster or the... Uh, the quartermaster, okay. I'm sorry, yes. Sure. Well, yeah, you have to someone who has to provide all those wonderful toys. Sure. Okay, so we have a Q, a Q type of character. And you can either have it be... Or you can have a Q type of character who's actually a Q type character. <laughs> <laughs> so all Wait, of the wonderful <laughs> toys... Oh, you need the exploding pan? Ping! And there's the exploding Well, pan. so then you can really riff on both Q and Mr. Mixelplayer. Oh, yes. So you could have Okay, the, so you have... You have who would you have playing the character? What what actor type do you see? Well, unfortunately, we don't have Burgess Meredith anymore. John Lovitz. Oh, John Lovitz would be fantastic. John Lovitz as Mixer Mixes as a Q. And a Q. <laughs> yeah, that's a... Well, I don't know. We don't, yeah. have, we don't have a whole lot of females in here. What if what if this this character... Oh, you could, you, you, yeah, you could certainly do it, uh, certainly do it as, as, a, as a female character. Um... Uh... Well, and, and, and your 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 evil organization turns good should be like a brother and sister to riff off your oh, sure. your, your legacy. Yeah. Your some of your legacy villains yeah. are siblings, the siblings yes. of, of and they're twins the, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, uh, um, I want to uh, Jenny McCarthy. Do you want to go? She do you want to go? She can certainly do comedy. Really, you know? Do you want to do the attractive? Uh, Q, or do you want to do uh, a comedic, you know, like, a, you know, well, you well, can look I, at Jenny McCarthy or Melissa McCarthy. Well, or you, or, no, you look at somebody like, uh, um, uh, oh, for heaven's sakes. And I'm just pulling, I'm just yeah, pulling yeah, yeah. names out of my head. It's right. not, no, not um, any kind of a plan here. But. Right. No, uh, Trisha Hefner would be. Oh, sure. Because, because she's not only, she's got that, that, she's a very attractive woman, but she's also got that cold, snarky thing that she or, can do really well. Viola Davis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Viola Davis as Mix Espitlick as a Q. <laughs> oh, that would be great. Because she could just look at you Uh-huh. Uh, and just be like... Sort of, a, sort of a mix between Amanda Waller and Mix Espitlick as a Q. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that'd be good. As a Q performing the duties of because, a Q. Because she, she, uh, she's got one of those wonderful faces and when she gives you a blank look, mm -hmm. it is just... I mean... It's just an amazing, amazing stuff. She's got a great face. Yes. Great, great. We have the perfect show. Oh, this would be so we're gonna much have to fun. Write it. We're going yeah, to have to write this Yeah, we're going to have to do this. <clears throat> because it would be... Yeah. Coming soon to Sci-Fi for Me TV. Give us... Why don't we? Give us money. <laughs> we have a Patreon account, patreon.com slash Sci-Fi for Me. Well, we actually, we actually... This is the second superhero show that we have in mind. And one of them we're yeah. one of them we're talking about possibly doing as an as an audio version as a, as a radio show. Yeah. Um, and but this would be so this fun. would be so much fun. And we so, get Bruce Brandt to do the effects. Oh sure. We can do it all here in Kansas. We actually could. Uh, we have an amazing arts community here, and we've got a great two great special effects houses here, yeah. uh, Ignition FX and, and Bruce Brandt's company, and some fantastic actors. <laughs> this could be. This could be. This could be a lot. So if you would, if you would like to support us, uh, sure. to, to do this, that would be great. Uh, but uh, certainly, we would actually like to hear your ideas for the perfect science yeah, fiction comedy. Yeah, because we need we need we need plot ideas. Oh sure. Other yeah. ca additional characters. There, I mean, there's there's some built-in stuff here that that you could riff on, but certainly there needs to be a bounty hunter. Oh sure. Got to have a bounty hunter. Um, 
Because there's, there's been some really good bounty hunters over the years. There's mm-hmm. one in Firefly, there's one in Star Wars. And there's been some terrible <coughs> ones, too, which yeah. there's there's the fun part of inverting it as world's worst bounty hunter. Sure, sure. Because I don't know if we're ever going to get Craven the Hunter in, in a Spider-Man movie. You know, it was funny because we were talking about, um, on level 11, you mentioned uh, Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. And I made the joke, Superman was right, yeah. Johnny Blaze? I actually had a thought. <clears throat> He's still too old to play the part. I'm sorry. He could play Lobo. Yeah, he could. Nicholas Cage as Lobo. You'd have to. He well. See, the problem with Lobo is that he's going to be such a character. Uh, a live action version of the character is either going to be CG entirely because Lobo is not that skinny guy that New Fifty Two no, was playing no, with no, for a while. No, Lobo's no, the big, big guy, and yeah, hulking. The big guy. Um, and you kind of almost want to get a big hulking actor to play the part. Um, and unfortunately, yeah. Uh, uh, Batista is is doing another thing. That's true. That's and, true. And, and uh, well, you see, Mark Miller is wanting John Cena for uh, one of his Millerverse movies. I could see that actually. Cena oh. Cena could do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, be interesting. So uh, for okay, so we are actively uh, open for suggestions for sure. our uh, our perfect science fiction comedy that we're going to do here. So send this to uh, send those ideas to h two o at sci dot com. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi.